With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lord, we thank you for allowing us into your presence this evening. And Lord, we pray that you'd help your people and help us, dear Lord, to understand your word, dear Lord, and be able to discern the difference between your word and our words. Lord, we pray that the people understand the importance of this at this time, because we're going to be judged by your words, not our words. Lord, we're going to be judged by our actions about your words. But we are not being judged. You know, we're being judged by our words for not hearing your words, is what I'm trying to say. But it's your words we're going to be judged by. And Lord, it means that if we don't receive your words and do them, then we are not going to be found in a good way. I'd like to, that all sounds confusing, but I'd like to, get, uh, Lord, come to a point I'd like to explain something that might help people understand the way of your words. Lord, I was listening to a rabbi today uh, on an internet speaking. And they have very good messages. Uh, don't get me wrong on this. But there's some misunderstandings that they have, and it's the same problem of old. They still have it today. And Lord, you said it would be like this. And I want to point this out because... It is also the same problem the church has today. Lord, you said that, that, you know, we would be hearing and not hearing. In other words, we would hear the word, but we couldn't discern it. We would hear your voice, and we could not discern it. And Lord, it's, it's interesting. When I was listening to this rabbi, he said, there's no prophets since the days of old. In other words, there's no longer any prophets in the land of Israel. But yet people prophesy. But and, and there are people, many people call themselves prophets in this day. But I'd like to discern what he's really saying, and I'd like to take it back to the scriptures to show my point in this. They consider prophets to be uh, those in the scriptures that say, and, you know, the typical understanding is this. They would say that uh, they would write, and thus says the Lord. In other words, they would say the Lord says this. And there are many people today that prophesy and they say the lord said this the lord says this the lord says that and i'm sure he did but there's a difference between saying he said this and saying it in the way that he said it his thoughts are higher than our thoughts his words are higher than our words and his ways are higher than our words unless we understand his pure language we're repeating his statement made in pure language within earthly languages and our earthly languages cannot interpret it in the same way as it is understood. Now, let me give a point of this. It's a really good point, I think. It goes back in the chapter of um, Genesis 40. And it's an interesting chapter because this is a, the chapter speaking of uh, Joseph interpreting the dream of the Pharaoh. And it's interesting that he tells the, you know, you know the story about the, 
the Pharaoh comes to dreams. And this is in chapter 41. It says, there, then it came to pass at the end of two full years. Now, this is after Joseph had interpreted the dreams of the butler and uh, the, the, other, the other guy, uh, the baker. And um, they have what they call a, a, a celebration of remembrances. They're celebrating the birthday, basically, the Pharaoh. But it's called a, a day of remembrance. And we should remember that because we don't understand what birthdays really celebrate. Um, we celebrate our age and to get gifts, basically. <laughs> but if we understood... The birth date should be a day of reflecting back on looking at the kingdom work that God has given us to do and our accomplishment to that point. Because when it comes to the separation judgment day, we're going to be judged by his words. And it also tells us and warns us in Matthew 25, 14 to 30, that we're going to be judged by the talents that we've used. First off, we're going to be judged by the oil that we have. That's the words of God. That's in Matthew 25, 1 to 13, a parable of the ten virgins, the wise and unwise. The wise are those that check their oil to make sure it's the kind of oil that's going to stay lit in the night. And the light, the entrance of light comes from his words. So if you have earthly words and not God's words, your light is not going to stay lit in the night. And so we're being judged by his words. Now, there are people who are doing the way of the words of God without understanding these are the words of God. Their heart is right, and God will judge them for how they've done good and done the way of the words. But then he'll open their eyes, and they'll be able to see the words at this point. Now, I'm going to try to show you this in Joseph. Because what Joseph did is something really important. I know of many people that say they can interpret uh, prophecies. And they interpret the prophecy, and sometimes it's correct. And sometimes they're missing big, important points of the prophecy because they cannot interpret it in the way of the words that Jesus speaks. They can't interpret dreams in the way of the words that he gave it. Now, you know about Joseph's dream. And, but I want to point out first a very important factor. This dream, and I told before when we're speaking about Joseph, he told, remember them, remember me when you come uh, before the Pharaoh. He knew that because his ruler that was over the prisons was Potiphar, who he would have been under when he was out there, Potiphar bought him and so forth, and put him in charge of his household. And then, of course, his wife faked the rape charge on him and so forth, and he was put in the main prisons. And Joseph later says in chapter 45 and again in chapter 50 of Genesis that all this was for the good of the kingdom of God. So it was all of God. And he even says, and I think it's in chapter 45, that his brothers sold him into slavery. Well, you know, that's not what the scriptures say. So understand that there's a difference here. What it is is Joseph recognized that they were the ones at fault of it. And they would have done it, except the Midianites. God sent the Midianites along, and the Midianites took Joseph out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites. It doesn't record that the disciples, I mean, that the brothers actually sold him. 
it was in fact the the Midianites that sold him. However, Joseph in chapter forty five accounts them hold accountable because the brothers speaking before him when they didn't know he who he was spoke that they had done this evil. It was their fault that he was sold in there. They understood all that. So Joseph repeats it that way. And in chapter 50, he says, and, and when he does that, he tells them that it was okay. Don't hold yourself accountable for that because it was all of God. He was doing that so I could save your lives. He put him in the position of authority to be able to save his life, just like the dreams and visions he had received. Remember the one vision was their grain bowed down to his grain. Otherwise, the same plague that's going to come over the Pharaoh, come over him this time, and he can understand these things. Well, what I'm trying to point out in here is that Joseph, in this thing, when the Pharaoh uh, calls him up and has him come forward, the the when he'd spoken that word to the 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 guy with the the, the vine guy the the, the guy, the cupbearer for the for the pharaoh, he says, "When the pharaoh, make sure you call my name before the pharaoh." And so that spirit of the Lord was in that, and the opportunity came two years later, at the end of two years, on a day of remembrance, on a day of remembrance, a day of a birthday remembrance, which is the working. A birthday is celebrating the work of the kingdom that they were to do, so far. And God had placed that Pharaoh to this point to be used for the kingdom of God. And the spirit come over him, came over the, the, the guy, the, the cupbearer, and it took charge and led them to speak what God had given them. Just like there's many prophecies, you can understand the donkey spoke at Balaam. And God had him prophesy, Balaam prophesied three times important blessings over the nation of Israel when he was trying not to. So the Pharaoh wasn't doing this to the good uh, of the kingdom of God. But he, the spirit moved upon him just like it did the donkey. Spirit moved upon the cupbearer just like it did the donkey. Joseph had spoken it forth. God had given Joseph the word to speak, to say to this guy, remember me when you come before the Pharaoh. And it was two years later he came before the Pharaoh. The word works for the... And, and understand that Joseph in all this time was wanting to do the work to bring forth the kingdom of God. And he understood the bones, for example. I talked to you last night about the word uh, same day, in other words, self-same, the word self-same, and it was used right before the word day. And they used that to mean it was a word of God, a pointed word of God, a, a marking of the word of God being accomplished and a, and a judgment being rendered. In other words, a change is there, a new thing is coming. So we have this time where, the, where the, he brings him before the Pharaoh. And the point that I'm trying to make is this. These guys, all the wise men of Egypt, all of them, were wise men of Egypt. This dream, if, if you'd set somebody to the dream today, they'd give an interpretation. But none of them could make an interpretation that the spirit within the Pharaoh could recognize that this was right. And Joseph was going to speak a word to the Pharaoh and he's going to tell him that God is going to give him a word of peace. He's going to give the Pharaoh a word of peace, not these other guys. He said the Pharaoh. 
And so what I'm saying to you is the word peace is one of his words, and that peace is the eternal plan of God. So he's going to cause the Pharaoh to understand this. When, when Joseph interprets the, the dream, uh, when, when God gives him the word, Joseph is saying that it's going to be a word that comes from God in the eternal plan of God, but it's coming with the authority that he's saying Pharaoh is going to receive that understanding. So he's enabling the spirit to cause Pharaoh to believe and understand what he's going to reveal to him because he's going to reveal exactly what is in these words because God's given them in the way of the words. And we'll talk about that more. But he's also given him the authority to receive it because it's like Jesus said in John fifteen seven, if you abide in my abide in me, follow me and abide in my words, what you desire be done for you. So he's desiring that to be done, and it's for the glory of the kingdom of God, because he recognizes that if these guys can't receive the word, if they can't understand it, this is of God, and it's of the plan of God. So he's saying, God will give you the answer. He'll give you the answer in the way of his eternal plan, because he's a king, and so on. In other words, this was a, what I'm trying to point out to you, this, this is a prophetic word that is, the, is in the way of the word of truth. In other words, these are words of God because it says in John fourteen fifteen to 17 that the spirit of truth cannot enter those who are of the world and they were of the world. All these priests and so forth of, of Egypt, all of them, the wise men of Egypt, very wise men of Egypt, and none of them can interpret this basically simple dream. I'm going to explain why I say it's simple in a minute. And it's, it, God is doing this to show us the truth in this thing. And then you look at First Corinthians uh, or Second Corinthians twelve one to four. Paul tells us, I mean, uh, yeah, Paul tells us there he went up to heaven and he heard the words that are unlawful for the man of the world to utter. And Satan has no truth in him. They cannot receive the understanding of the words of God. And I'm telling you, it's. It's coming to this at this point. Remember, there's a famine of God's words coming. Amos 8, 1 to 4, John 9, 4, 5, and Revelation 6, um, 5 to 6. There's a, re there's a famine of the words of God coming. And the people, even preachers and so on, will not be able to speak these words. And I'm going to explain to you why. It, it's pretty ex explanatory in Micah 3, chapter Micah 3. You'll see what God is angry about. And you'll understand when you look at the world and what has happened, you'll see that that is very true today. But what Joseph is saying, and God is doing here, and Joseph is going to say this, the Pharaoh says, I understand that you can interpret dreams. And he says, no, God does. Now, that's an important statement. And you could say, well, yeah, God does it. He says, but Joseph says it this way. Let me... Read verses 14 to 16. It says, Then the Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, uh, out of the pit. And remember, he wasn't in a pit. He was in a prison. God is using this to tell you this. this is all part of God's plan. He's testifying that these guys couldn't understand because this dream, this vision was done in the way of the words. And to a man with the way of the words, you can understand this clearly, what it is. People speculate, how did he know this? Because he, he replied immediately when the Pharaoh spoke the vision. It says, the Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. They brought him quickly out of the, the, the pit. 
And he shaved and changed his clothing and came to the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it. But I have heard it said that you can understand a dream and interpret it. And Joseph answered to Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh the, an answer of peace. See, he's making a statement here that's very important. We understand this. Peace is the knowledge of the eternal plan of God. Peace is what we end up with at the end. And what he's saying is all through the generations, we're all working towards that final goal where God is going to cause peace to reign on earth. So it's part of the kingdom plan. He says, that's not me. He says, I will interpret the dream as God reveals it in the way of his eternal plan. Now, here's the important part. John 3.34 teaches us that God's omnipresent spirit is in every one of his words. They never come without the full measure of his words. So if your dream is of God, and Joseph is saying this because none of these guys of the world can interpret it, and if the guy had a vision that could not be understood by anybody in the world, then it will be understood by God because if it's given of God, it's going to be done in the way of his words. And anybody with the way of the words can understand it because God does all things in the way of his eternal plan. So everything is made according to the plan. And the way of the eternal plan was spoken really in the first six days of the creation and on the seventh day of rest, which is in the seventh day of rest, he tells you this is um, the record of the generations. In other words, these first six days are summarizing the works of the generations of the plan of God. So the seventh day is remembrance day. And that's bringing forth that knowledge and understanding all the things, the deeper understanding of what was made. That's why the seventh spirit is so important. Spirit of rest, spirit of fear, spirit of peace. Because that leads you to the eternal kingdom. So what he showed us here, he said that the God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. All Joseph is going to do is in the language of God, the spirit of God will stir up within him and make understanding to him of the words that Jesus spoke in the vision. See, when God uses, it doesn't matter whether you speak words or he speaks and does the way of things like spitting and, uh, you know, or like bending down and stirring up the earth to cause the people to holding the stones to uh, remember their sins. Like spitting, you know, taking some uh, clay, uh, dirt from the ground or clay and putting it in his hand and spitting in it and stirring it up, putting it over the guy's eyes and tell him to go wash in the pool of Siloam, scent. And Siloam means scent. And he became able to see. See, the... the point is to this is the word sent when god sends you somewhere it's going to be completed his word is always finished always complete so it will accomplish what he sent it to do that's isaiah 55 11 so that was the way of the word see the word of god is in the earth everything about us every particle within us is all in the earth I tried to explain this several times, and I've written many books on it and writings on it. If you, if you grasp what I'm trying to say is the earth has our particles in it. God brings the substance from up out of the earth and puts it in the womb, and then he continues to feed us as we grow. We're nourished. The earth will nourish us in accordance to the way of the word if we will walk in the way of the words. 
Joseph walked and tried to do the way of the words and all the things that he did. And what he's saying is God, and remember that God is the word. God is spirit. It tells you God is the word in 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 First uh, John or John one, and then he tells you in First John one five that God is spirit, or God is light. Excuse me, and the entrance of His words gives light. Psalms one nineteen one thirty, and then in John four twenty three twenty four he says God is spirit, and then Jesus says My words are spirit and their life. And he says I am the truth, the way, and the life. He does the way of the words. That's what he did. He came into the world to bear witness to the truth, and he did that. He came into the world to bear witness to the words of God. If you look at John seventeen seventeen, it's the same thing. Psalms one nineteen one uh, one sixty tells it's the same thing, and Psalms one nineteen one forty two says his truth, which is his words, is law. It can never fail. Isaiah fifty five eleven. So what I'm saying is that if the words are spoken and you understand what the words are. God, the words will reveal themselves because the Spirit of God is in those words. It's living words being spoken to you, so it's going to stir up. If you have understanding, the Spirit that's speaking to you in the way of the words and the full measure of God is going to stir up the Spirit in you to cause you to know. Because he gave credit to the God. He said, God will cause you to know this. But he was given an example of these are words of God that are living. This vision you've got is a living word of God. It has a purpose and a meaning, and you can interpret it in accordance to the way of peace, which is the eternal plan of God. So if you understand the plan of God, because the Bible reveals it, then you can understand this. That's why you can understand the book of Revelations only by understanding his words. That's why everybody's so screwed up on it. Excuse me for the wording, but that's what I'm trying to say. They can't interpret it right. They can't, they've not discerned that Jesus is going to rule from heaven over the earth for seven years, beginning in the morning of the day of the Lord and until the noon. It's too difficult for them to interpret because you can't interpret that unless you can discern the words and understand the language. He tells you in Daniel 7, 11 11 and 12 that that's what's going to happen. He tells you that in Daniel 9, 26 to 27. He tells you that in Revelation 17, 9 to 14. He's telling us that. He's revealing it to us, that there's a gap time, a gap time when he rules over the earth and the people in the morning, they're put into the punishment. Tells you that in all kinds of scriptures, like Malachi 3, for example. Isaiah 10 to 12, or 21, 10 to 12. All these scriptures tell us this, but you can understand it in the way of the words because you understand what the night is. You understand what the cows represent. You understand, you know, what... what the, the seven represents. And you understand that when God gives something to a king, he's given it to the king for the purpose of his people. Daniel, prophesying of a Nebuchadnezzar's dream. It's about the kingdom. It's about God's work in that kingdom, which always involves the people under the king. It isn't for the glory of that particular king. It's, it's for the purpose of building the kingdom under God because he puts these people in authority to do the work for the people that they're over. And they don't do that. That's the problem with America and Crown Trust and England, everybody, Vatican, all of them, all involved. Um, so what, what I'm trying to say here is when he says this to, to the Pharaoh, he's telling them the words have the interpretation in it. When you speak this vision, when you speak it forth, it's being done in a way of the words, and that's why these people can't understand it. It's just like the preachers today, if you get a vision like that, and God can block the knowledge from them. They will not be able to understand because they're of the world. They're not really of God. That's why he says they're only going to be able to prophesy for a period of time. 
Matthew 7, 21 to 23, they're prophesying, but then all of a sudden it's cut off from them. John 9, 4, 5 tells you that also. And he says, depart from me, workers of lawlessness. And then he will not answer them, as he says in Proverbs 1, 20 to 33. He tells you that he'll laugh at their calamities because they will not be able to interpret what is happening. They'll get visions they won't be able to understand. It'll ponder them. It'll worry them. They'll try to seek out an answer, but they can't. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to have people at this time. He tells you this is Matthew 24 and Mark 13. There's going to be people running all over the place trying to understand what God is, and none of them will be able to understand because they don't have the right or ability to interpret the word anymore. Even in the languages of the earth, they can't do it. Even in the milk knowledge way of it. It'll be total confusion, just like the Pharaoh's priests at this time of the Pharaoh. Because God is bringing a famine on the land. Remember what he warned of in the third seal judgment. The famine is coming. A famine is his words. It's coming. And they're going to pay a price for instruction. That's what the wheat and barley. They're going to make a whole day's wage just to try to understand something. And they won't be able to do everything. There's no word going to be able to come to them that overcome the world until the punishment's done with them. But they're going to go through the punishment that God is going to bring on them. And they won't be able to escape that. It tells you in the Bible, many of them are going to go into the punishment and some are going to be slaves. But all of them are going to be re- removed from their positions of authority that they've got. They're going to be lowered. But if they come against his word, they're going to go into the plagues. If they humble themselves... And pay attention to Luke 16, 1 to 13. They'll understand they better humble themselves so they just have a place to live and not be cast out onto the bottom of the seafloor where these people are going to get the plagues that are so bad. It's better for them to humble themselves and be a slave in a person's house that has the words than, you know, to be like a, a slave to them. In other words, do everything for them. They treat slaves righteously. They don't treat slaves badly. But they cannot do anything to get them above the punishment because God will not raise them up again until the plagues are done or that time of plagues are done. But at least they'll be able to see. They won't be able to speak a word or anything like that because they won't have any authority over the words. I want to just remind you what I want to clarify something in, in this from earlier, which I told you that this rabbi said that there's no prophets today. They, they believe that. But there's prophecy being spoken. And you could call these people prophets. I think God calls them prophets in Matthew seven twenty one to 23 because they get the word. But they cannot interpret it in the pure language of the kingdom of heaven unless God tells them to say this or that. But usually the case is that they interpret it in the languages of the world because they do not know the pure language of God. And they can't interpret it in the way of the pure language of God. In, unless God specifically gives an, anything's possible with God, please understand. But I'm saying the basic prophet, like the prophets of old, who understood the words of God, are different than prophets today who speak what God tells them, but they do not understand it in the way of the pure language of God. That's what I'm trying to point out. There's a difference between those two. And in the nighttime, the the ones that have the pure language will continue to be able to hear the word and interpret it rightly and help others with it. And that's why he tells you to gather together and stir up love and good works. You cannot stir up good works unless you understand the words of God because he's going to take the right of those words away from the people in the in this night at the separation judgment. They'll be removed. They'll have the famine of the word. They won't be able to speak them or do them. So you've got to get the words before that so that you can know 
You're going to, because he tells you in John 5, 24, that if you will believe in the voice of the Lord, which means to interpret, discern his words, that's what voice means in Greek, and it means the discernment of the word. You can hear the voice, and you hear the words and understand them, and then you believe in the promises of God, which are the good works. Then you'll be able to know how to do them. That's the secret to John 15, 7, and First John 5, 1, uh, 14 to 15. Those things are all important to us. So if we will understand that and do that at this time, that then you'll understand the difference between a prophet of old, which the Hebrews, when they're saying this, the Jewish people, when they're saying it, they're right. They're not hearing the word of God the way it was before. Those people who heard it before understood what he was saying in the pure language of the kingdom because it tells you, even Paul tells you, that all the scriptures was written with the spirit of God. We can't write like that today. That was given specifically in the way of the Spirit, condensed tremendous amount of information within that. It's all reporting to and bearing witness to the Holy Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit comes in a full measure only of the words of God. So God is telling us that the Bible's written in the way of the pure language of God, in the holy words of God. And so we must try to interpret it by those words. And we're not doing that. We think the whole Bible's the word of God. It is. But how is it? It's just like he died on the cross, gave his blood, but it purchased our sins. How did it purchase? What washes away that sin with the blood? What does the blood do to wash it away? And he tells you what it does that. He tells us that that is done in uh, John fifteen seven, uh, John fifteen three. He tells you it's washed by the words that he came into the world to speak. Ephesians five twenty five to 27, we're made spotless, washed, clean from sin by the words of God. That's what we got to understand. Those words, we're just believing in the blood, but we, we're basically trampling on the spirit of blood because we're not paying attention of the, what the meaning of grace is. Grace is he gave his blood to open up the, the holy temple, uh, the veil, so that we could go in and hear the words of God and learn and understand them. Like he says in Proverbs one twenty three, because to know his words, know them means you'll know, understand them, and you'll be able to do them because you know what to do with them. You'll know what, when, when these things are said, you'll understand what's being said. This is my point in these things. I hope that's helpful to understand that point. Now, when he interpreted the dream, you know, he, he starts off, let's just read the, the, the dreams here. The Pharaoh says, Behold, in my dream I stood on the bank of the river. Suddenly seven cows came up out of the river, fine-looking and fat. They fed in the meadow. Then, behold, seven other cows came up after them, power, are poor and very hung, ugly and gaunt. Such ugliness as I have never seen in all the land of Egypt. And the gaunt and ugly cows ate up the first seven, the fat cows. When they had eaten them up, no one would have known that they had eaten them up. They had eaten them because they didn't get uh, changed. He says, for they were just as ugly as at the beginning. So I awoke. Also, I saw in my dream, and suddenly seven heads came up on one stalk, full and good. Then, behold, seven heads, withered, thin, and blighted by the east wind, sprang up after them. And the thin heads devoured the seven good heads. So I sold this. I told this to the magicians, the wise men, but there was no one who could explain it to me. So if this is given in the way of the words of God, God will confirm it in the way of the words of God. And so Joseph said to the Pharaoh, the dreams of the Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years. And seven good heads are seven years. And the dreams are one. 
See, the cows and the heads, he's talking about the same. What, what I'm talking about is this. God has given us dominion over the earth in day six. It's the knowledge of the work of the kingdom that we're to do. And so he's talking about they aren't doing the way of the people. Remember, in that time, the people of Egypt didn't want to have the cows. It was too proud for them. In other words, they did not want to be shepherds over flocks. So they had others do it, even prisoners and so on. And God always raises up the poor uh, in in these times. So his poor. He doesn't raise up the poor who are not of his. He raises up the poor who turn to him. What what uh, what I'm trying to tell you is in the way of the seven spirits, because he's seeing that these are seven spirits, grain is instruction. So he understands that God has given instruction of what's about to happen. That's why there's two visions, and grain is the second one. The first one was the way of the people. The cows are the normal people. They're not the, the oxen, you know, they're cows. And there were seven good ones and then seven bad ones. So he understands that the cows equal years and that the heads equal years because it's doing in the way of the seven spirits. And when God is going to do a work like this, when he's showing a vision like this, he's telling him how long this is going to be because he's showing them that a famine is going to come halfway through. Now, we should understand something here too. In the morning of the day of the Lord that's about to come on the earth, there's seven years. Pay attention to this very carefully and listen to this. There's seven years. In the middle of that, God is going to take away the sacrifice. It's similar to this. And here you have 14 years. We have 14 years of the of the sealed judgments. In the first seven years, we were given light. In the second seven years, we have darkness. We have the light, but it's filtering out to the darkness. It's nighttime. So in the evening, there's light. There's instruction available to everybody. But in the night, the people start losing that right. God has taken away their judgment. And even in the evening time, if they refuse, if they're shepherds and so forth, and, they, and elders, and they refuse to have the light, he removes the light from them, and he sets it aside, locks it up. So they're losing their light. And that's what he says. And you read 14.6 in Zechariah 14.6. He says, it'll be a time. In the evening, there'll be light. It's available to them. But if they disrespect it and dishonor it and, and discredit it, the words, that is, because the entrance of his words gives the light, then the light is taken from them. And they won't even know they've got the light missing. It's just they cannot interpret it. They cannot interpret the word because God's taken that right away from them. And until they see and repent from that, they will not understand that the words of God are the wisdom that they do not understand. But in the morning time, when the, when the judgment is made, there's seven years and seven years. What is this all about? Joseph's showing them it's a time. I mean, that's what God's doing at this time. The sealed judgments are the same seven years and seven years. And what is happening in this? You have seven years of the night, uh, evening, and seven years of the night. In the morning time, the judgment is manifested. And what is that judgment? It's on what you decided. And in that night time, Joseph's brothers come, and there's five years left of that night. And by the time that is done, they have turned and believed in the words of God. They've straightened their lives out, and they've started to walk straight in, in Egypt. That was a time of judgment. It got manifested judgment. 
And what happened to the people during the, the seven years of the famine? Everything was taken away from them. And that's what's happening now. All through this time, what has happened of the night, the last seven years, we're in the seventh year of the night, best I can understand from the scriptures, because the words of God are open to, in uh, 2003. And at midnight, God confirmed it was midnight in 2010. So that was seven years. So we knew that the, the night had started and it ends in April this year. And when that ends, the judgment is manifested on the people. Because what they've decided over this 14 years is doing this. But in this last part, you can see what is happening in the world. We've become total slaves. We've become, you know, they've positioned their armies everywhere to destroy us. They've positioned the immigrants everywhere. Heaven knows God knows what diseases they've given these people on the shots that they gave them before they brought them up from places like Nicaragua and other places. My understanding is that they brought them over from Africa, from the Middle East, from all kinds of places over there, up through to, to, on ships into Nicaragua or places like that in Central America. And then they brought them up by buses through DHS buses into America. What did they give those people? I do not know that they did. But it concerns me greatly because when you bring them up like this and the way they make sure everybody gets vaccinated with the things they're putting in vaccinations these days, uh, they get vaccinated when they come into this country, I'm concerned of what they might have given these. Because DHS, as I told you, the FDA was formed in 1948 to destroy our immune system. And if that is their work and the DHS is running FDA, then we have to assume if they're doing the work that they were set out to do and abiding by what they were given to do, then they're, they're doing things to these people to destroy their immune system, which could likely then be passed over to us. And that's what concerns me on that issue. Some of them came from South America, some places, but most of these that are coming in these buses, the DHS buses with the darkened windows, they say are coming from the Middle East and they're coming from Ethiopia and they're coming from other countries like that. <laughs> Nigeria, and so on. They're coming to America. And we're financing them and putting them in here secretly. But they get shots and stuff, and they get money to go up here. So what was in those vaccinations? Were, there's, were they getting diseases that's going to come out? You know, you just because they've worn down our immune system, if they start bringing people in with diseases as they bust these others in, it, it could break out very rapidly. And our immune system's so weak. Anyway, I digress. My, my point on this is that the seven years of the evening and seven years of the night is very much like the seven years of the, of the plenty. God made the light available to everybody. Anybody could have received it. But then he took a light and now he's taken it away and only the people who seek it can get it during the night. And that's, what, that's what's happened. People who turn and seek it, when they hear about it, they'll get it. But if they don't believe and don't get it, they're going to come to a point which is called the separation judgment, which happens in the winter time, which we're in that winter. And it should be that this time, if it's this year, it's going to be this time. And I think it's this year with a prophetic word seems to be saying this. But, you know, there's a difference between prophecy and prophet. A prophet interprets the words of God because God makes it known. It's not a, the prophet of old, I mean, God said this, like they, Joseph is saying, God is saying this, but how's he saying it? He's saying it in the words he put into the Pharaoh. That's the prophetic word. God said it. He gave it, he gave the vision to Pharaoh. He gave the vision to Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, Daniel understood it from the Lord. 
You can get it from that way by hearing it and then seeking the Lord to give clarity so you have it correct. Because Nebuchadnezzar's was very detailed. This one is very simplistic, the one with the seven cows. Because if you look at what God is doing, it's his plan, his generational plan. And understand, Joseph knew much more than what we think he knows. Joseph understood the times. He understood the eternal plan of God. He understood that in the end, the people are going to come back to the likeness of the Garden of Eden. It had been promised through Noah. And that's why he did the wine. That's why Joseph is on record of having his, uh, his wife made vineyards in their summer places during the, the vineyard uh, wine season. Why would he be doing that? He's trying to bring forth the plan of God, like Noah, like his father. This is important when they did this. So he's saying when he got these, he could understand. And people ask me, or ask, they've asked each other as many debates over this. How did he know it was the cows of seven years? And I'm trying to tell you. He understood everything is in the way of peace. And he said, God will show it to you in the way of peace. So he's saying, God is showing us in the way of his eternal plan. And Joseph understood the, the day of the Lord. Even back then, the people understood it was going to come to the, to the correction at the end. They were getting understanding. God was making known his word to them. They knew many things. You can see it in all the books and so forth that they write. Even the prophetic word of Moses that he recorded, uh, the, the, you know, the prophecies. And Jacob explained exactly what his sons were going to do in the end times, you know, what was going to happen to them. So you see that he was teaching this earlier. So we can understand that Joseph had some knowledge of the plan of God. And so Joseph has been giving a picture of the seven years and seven years that are same as today. We're in that seven years of famine right now. It's going to end differently than the way it did then because we're being destroyed and we don't know it. Our nutritional value and all the rest of that's being destroyed. Our armies are going around the world. They're killing Christians, by the way, one every six minutes, they say, in regard to persecution, not, not just they're dying off because of diseases, but you know, the disease is another one. They're eating the flesh and so on uh, with these diseases. They're destroying our bones because the nutritional value is totally gone. And all of that's weakness. And that's, in other words, the blessing that God put in for us in the earth is not coming into us because it's being toxic. In other words, they're changing it. Just like they put the ion, the copper ions and the aluminum ions up into the atmosphere to cause the frequency of the sun to change and not be as good for us, like the vitamin D that comes into us, and so on. All this is going on intentionally to weaken us, and we don't see this. But this is what we had. We had seven years of light, according to Zechariah 14.7. And then we got seven years of judgment, according to Isaiah 10-12. to 12. It tells you in that night, and the Bible is constantly telling us in that night is the time when he seals the instruction, and that is the time that we get sealed with our judgment. And we have this last winter season to have a revival or we're in great trouble because Isaiah 21, 10 to 12 tells you when the morning rises, the night is, you know, we're in the night, the night has come. And when the morning rises, there's going to be night and day. In other words, there's going to be darkness and light. The separation judgment will be manifested with the coming of the morning, just like it was on the Pharaoh at the time of the plagues. And just like at the time of the people of Egypt, they had the seven years of plenty, and then they had seven years of famine. At the end of that famine, what did they choose to do, like the ten lepers? How many turned and praised God? 
there were people that came to Joseph at that time and they uh, became very much, I mean, they were healed and things like this. But also look what the scriptures say happened to the people of Israel. They came and got the words and uh, and in the night, these things started turning into their hands and that's what God is doing. He's had them go and gather all the gold and silver. So when he rises up in the morning, uh, Ezekiel, excuse me, Ecclesiastes 2.26, it's going to be turned over to him for the use of his kingdom. He's taken their gold away. It tells you in Revelation 18, uh, I think it's verse 7 uh, in there, he tells you that they're going to have to pay double for what they've done and double for what they plan to do. So you see that that's coming true. This is what this is about. But Joseph is speaking in the way of the words, and that's why we can understand the sealed judgments. That's why we can understand the, the time of the, what is the meaning of a time, a times and a half a time, because it's the way of the words of God. And that time is seven years, what it says in Revelation 12 and so forth. He's talking about seven years. Just put it together. You know, if you know a half a time is 42 months, then you ought to know that a time at times is not one year. It's not you know, six months. It's 42 months, a half time. That's time of the Antichrist at the end of that thing. Because there has to be seven years that Jesus reigns, and he reigns in the morning. He rises with the sun. The sun of righteousness rises in the morning. It doesn't change. That's what's going to happen. That's what he's telling us in Isaiah 21, 10 to 12. He's calling out. The Lord is calling us from Seir right now in the night, telling us, come out, come out. Because the sun's going to rise. See, the, the, the day comes. That's the sun of righteousness coming. How long is he going to reign? Daniel 9, 27 tells us seven years. So we know he's going to reign from the morning till noon. And at noon, the Antichrist reigns. He's not reigning now. This is the fifth beast kingdom. The Pope and all of them are all servants underneath the crown trust of London. The London, I mean, the Vatican does not call the shots like people try to say. I, I keep hearing this. Um, you know, on different TV broadcasts, internet broadcasts, these, uh, you know, basically news media type things of the internet, the Christian news media. They keep trying to say the Vatican's controlling. The Vatican is owned by the Crown Trust. They, they are controlling the Crown Trust. I mean, the Vatican. They tell who's going to be the Pope. They tell this Pope what to do. They put the Popes in place. The Pope is one of the members, the Vatican is one of the members of the 13 families, but it's not the top. I sat in meetings where the Vatican people, they own the Knights of Malta, and they have to negotiate with the Crown Trust to get any funding. And they had to go through another member of the, of the uh, families. If the Vatican was higher than this other family, they, they wouldn't have had to come to this family, one of the seven families. Uh, you know, there's 13 of the seven there's two really powerful ones and then there's five other ones and then there's the remainder and those the the one of the members of the seven negotiates with london with the crown trust for the benefit of the vatican's entities they had to come to him to get the vatican because they could not deal the vatican itself could not deal directly with the crown trust and get what they wanted they can't do it so they don't have the power. Now, they're, they're important because they're being used by the Vatican to bring forth the, the false religion that they want to bring, the, what they call the Noahide Covenant, which tries to replace uh, all these, you know, they're trying to say it's uh, God's will that um, these things happened as they did. 
and they want to get rid of all the the covenants of God to to Isaac, to Abraham, to, to Joseph, and so on. They want to get rid of that. Anyway, back to my point. My point is a prophet is one that has the words and can understand in the way the pure language of God. That's that's a really you're understanding how what God says if He gives you a prophecy, or if somebody comes to you with a vision that God has sent them to you, then you'll be able to understand it. You don't just try to prophesy; you try to interpret the scriptures. That is a kind of prophet that knows the tongue of the pure language, knows the language of God, and that's what you want to do. You want to do the best you can to do that, and understand that God's law of knowledge is it comes line by line, precept on precept, a little here and a little there. So you're not going to get a fullness of the measure of all the understanding of what was given. Like this is what I'm telling you about the interpretation of the Pharaoh with Joseph. You can see now that this is the same as what's happening right now. We're coming to the end of these 14 years. We're in the same 14 type years that's there. What God did before, he'll do again. He doesn't change his ways. He, you know, he does it in a different manner because he's showing you it one way, but then he also tells you that it has to be learned line by line, a little bit here and a little bit there. So he shows it to you one way and then he shows it to you another way, but it's basically the same message telling us, warning us to his plan because everything in the way of peace, peace is the plan of God. So when you understand it that way, and when, when Joseph said to, to the Pharaoh that God will make known the word in peace. What he, what he said was, he says, God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Why does he know that? Because he knows that God always, always speaks in the way of his words. And his words always are done in the way of the eternal plan. That's why I've tried to tell people that when you're trying to do the way the words, think about the eternal plan of God. Because that's the trigger mechanism that gets you the answer from God by the way of peace. And Joseph is declaring that to you right there. He's saying God will give an answer of peace because if you give the vision that was given from God, he knew it was of God because these other guys could not interpret it. And he knew that he was being brought before him. And he knew that he was brought before him because that guy remembered and he had asked that in the way of the words back then. Remember what it says in John fifteen seven: If you abide and follow in the way of the Lord and you abide in his words, what you desire will be done for you. And he desired that this guy make the word known to the Pharaoh because he knew that the Pharaoh had the power and authority to release him from this captivity in that nation. Okay, I think it, you got a little bit of a message. I would like to go into Micah 3, but not tonight. I'm already way too far. Uh, we'll go into another night. I want to explain that to you because it's very important. We should understand Micah 3 in the way of the words, and we'd understand what the flesh means, what the bone means, and these kind of things, and you'll be able to understand that Micah 3 very well. That's very important in this day. Because if we don't understand this, we're going to be in great trouble very quickly. And many are going to lose their lives. And they're going to be destroyed by this beast kingdom, the fifth beast kingdom, the crown trust that's running the world. They're the little horn. The crown trust is that little nation, that little horn. It's a sovereign nation. They also call it the city of London or the, the crown corporation. It's all one and the same. That's the little horn that's controlling the, the ten kings because they along with their partners, the Vatican and the rest of it, have divided the world up into 10 regions since the 1960s. We just think that we're, you know, citizens of America. We're not even rightfully people of called right to be called Americans if, under their law. But we don't understand that. We just assume we can. 
And that's their thing. If they can deceive you and to drink of their wine, which does, you know, gets you drunk and you don't want to know the truth. You want to live the lie because it's prosperous to you. You can drive a Rolls Royce. You can do these works of, you know, bringing these people into the prison camps, for example, and getting book contracts and the rest of it to get you a jet and uh, fly to Washington and disobey God and meet with these leaders that are walking in fornication with the harlot uh, against his will. In Revelation 18, 1 to 4, in the day of the Lord, when the light is made known in the world. And he told you that Babylon has fallen, but you're still following their leaders and still negotiating with them, thinking they have power when you're required, according to Daniel 9, 24, to appoint the Lord as king on earth. We are that people that must anoint the king as the most high God and king of the earth for the seven years in the morning. And we are not doing it. He even said, this is that season right now that he's taking over. Lord, we pray that you'll help this message be felt by your people, though, Lord. We pray that you'll stir them up and let them understand your language, Lord, and correct what is wrong or right. Dear Lord, we pray that your word be performed and that they would come to the knowledge of peace. Because, Lord, you're going to take peace away. That's the right to your eternal plan. That's the right to call on your words and have the right uh, to have the knowledge of your words. So when you say you came to take peace away, Lord, it means that you're taking away the authority of these people to call upon your words. You're bringing forth the famine of your words. But all those who will hear you will be given authority to receive the spirit of truth that will cause them to be purified, then made white, having knowledge that's white and no darkness at all in it, and then be refined of doing the good works that bring forth the true glory of God, which is to return the likeness of the Garden of Eden on the earth to prove that God's eternal plan from the beginning to the end is real. We ask the Lord, ask you, Lord, to stir these people, stir the earth, cause them to know the sin. And Lord, let us turn from it, repent from it, and all of us be able to do this. And Lord, we pray for restoration into your kingdom. Dear Lord, that they would understand the value of that. Lord, right now they're still looking for value in the way of the world because they feel the pressure of the world debts. And Lord, this is the winter season when this has got to be removed. And the people of the governments have to realize that they're going to be held in account and they will be punished for the debts they've brought on the people. They need to read Luke 16, 1 to 13 and believe because the punishment's going to come upon them for following the harlot. We ask this in thy precious and thy holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.